You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The State of Recruiting is brought to you by 24-7 Sports and the Horns 24-7 Network of Podcasts. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate, and review on the podcast platform of your choice. We also invite you to listen to the other great shows on the Horns 24-7 Network, including The Flagship with Taylor Estes and Chip Brown and The Longhorn Blitz with Jeff Howe and Rod Babers. Thanks for listening. Now on to the show. Welcome back to this week's episode of the State of Recruiting, your weekly Horns 24-7 recruiting podcast. I'm Mike Roach, and I'm joined as always by Hudson Standish, and uh, I'm back from vacation. Uh, Hudson has done... I've listened. Uh, there's been quite a few, uh, quite a few podcasts uh, you guys had to do while I was gone. I appreciate you and Taylor Estes for stepping in and, and handling those uh, with all the exciting recruiting news. But Hudson, since I've been gone and you've been handling, and might I add, uh, doing a great job handling probably the craziest week of recruiting I've ever seen, um, I'm going to let you kind of run with the show today and uh i'm just getting caught back up to speed so uh it's all yours how you doing doing good mike honestly it just feels good to kind of be back in the saddle with you doing an episode of the state of recruiting i kind of missed it it was a lot of fun when we were at uh your crib in the greater fort worth area kind of talking state seven on seven and then we planned to have a full episode of the state of recruiting arch manning committed we were you know prepared for it but it kind of sent the next two weeks into a bit of a whirlwind. But more than anything, I think people just want to hear your take since you've kind of, uh, you know, you're back into the swing of things this week from vacation, but you haven't really had a chance to grab your thoughts and, you know, collect everything and get those takes off. So, Mike, what what was it like, first off, on vacation when everything was happening, but also any broad uh, thoughts? <laughs> Um, I think you kind of know what it's like because I was like, uh, look, oh, we're all in the trust tree here. I went on vacation. Let's just say I had a few drinks. Uh, I enjoyed might have been consumed. I enjoyed my time while I was in Mexico. And sometimes through an alcohol induced haze, I would like get a notification of something. And uh, I'd text you and be like, oh, is this is Derek Williams happening like now? Um, so uh, that's kind of how it was. It was like I was like floating through a dream where I was just seeing like the you guys communicating in our groups and all those sorts of things. And I was just like, I don't know, man, it's weird because obviously you want to be a part of those big stories and all that. But it was kind of fun just sitting back and being like, oh, man like four commitments today and I don't have to write a single one of them. <laughs> my, Mike, I, I like that you mentioned the Derek Williams thing. Cause we kind of can give a little bit of detail. Like the night before it happened, it was like, yo, my, like I'm hearing a lot about Derek Williams in Texas. That morning I texted you and I was like, look, I'm getting a story ready and I'm going to have like, I'm going to have, um, you know, some, supplemental pieces probably because this is such a big deal and then it happened and what i think i just got an hour uh i'm sorry i text from you like an hour or two later with just an ex an, uh a word we probably can't say on the state of recruiting like it, it was it was awesome yeah i was just like and and that was a th- 
thing. Like I was like waking. I I wasn't. I was trying to be true to my vacation and be true to my wife, who I told, "Hey, I'm gonna like pretty much not. I'm not gonna work on this trip." You know, a lot of our vacations I work on, um, and I take my computer and I still write things and I still make calls. And this one was, you know, she hasn't seen a lot of me this spring. This one was one where we really needed to spend some quality time together and not talk about football and stuff. But you know, I told her I was gonna be a little plugged in just to just to make sure everything was going well back here. But I wasn't tuned into the point where it's like, okay, I have to be awake at this point in time because I know a commitment's coming. So sometimes I'd just wake up and there'd be like two commitments. I'd be like, oh, rad. And, you know, I mean, for the most part, I think we knew most of them were coming at some point. It's just just a matter of timing. I mean, we've been talking about Derek Williams and the confidence there for a while. It was just a matter of, okay, when's he going to pull the trigger? Um, The one that surprised me was Sadir Mitchell. Uh, Based on what we had heard coming out of his visit, uh, that's the one that truly, I would say, surprised me. And, you know, obviously you were on top of that as it was Brian Doan, our, our Northeast guy, as it was unfolding. But I was not. I was out of the loop. I was, I was in Mexico, and I was like, I was reading something, and I was like, oh, man, they're going to get Sadir, huh? That's that's cool. So, um, you know, I think um, it was uh, it was fun. I almost got to do it like a fan. And, um, you know, there was uh, I was much more worried about where I was going to book my dinner reservations for that night than um, where a kid was going. Uh, obviously, there were some ones like uh, I, I had written the Jonte Cook story before I left town. Um, and so, like, I remember going to the board to check it out. And people were like, oh, I thought you were on vacation. Like, I am. I just. Uh, <laughs> yeah, trust me. not getting written. <laughs> no. No, 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 no. There was no uh, no writing to be done. Besides the fact that, like, our, our resort had what I would call very spotty Wi-Fi. Um, and the fact that I was overserved most days. Uh, I was, uh, yeah, I was not, not getting to that. Um, I mean, just thoughts-wise. This is kind of what we've talked a lot about. Like, if they get Arch Manning, the the tie, the floodgates kind of open. And I think I said, uh, I think Taylor and I did like the re the reaction to Arch's podcast. And I said, hey, I got a source that says if they get Arch, they're gonna land. They're gonna have sixteen to eighteen kids by the time they finish. This source was like, by the time we get through July, I don't think he could have could have thought maybe as we're getting into July, but we look up today, there's 18 commits. I mean, it went extremely quickly. Um, I did write some thoughts about this upon returning from Mexico, but I think like the highlights for me were obviously like getting Derek Williams, even though we knew kind of it was heading in that direction, huge. Uh, Same for Jonte Cook. Getting uh, the offensive line like playing out like, Kyle Flood's like, okay, in one day I'm going to basically fill my class. I don't know. It just feels very Flood. Like, it felt like that's what happened last year, if you remember. Like, Connor Robertson and Cole Hudson committed on the same day. And then, like, in the span of three or four days, he landed um, Kelvin Banks, NATO, uh, Cam Williams, Malik Ogbo, and then had, like, a signature from Devon Campbell. It's like... Kyle Flood has a type. Kyle Flood has a way he likes to shop. Um, he is a like, uh, let's just go into the one store and get everything now mode. And uh, and it was funny it played out that way. And then I, I you know, the other things to me, um, outside of those guys, I'm trying to remember if I'm going to miss anybody else who uh, who might have made a commitment. Um, 
Oh, like Jonah Wilson, like getting getting that receiver class kind of in place and then being able to see where these recruiters are in the recruiting rankings. Like uh, Brendan Marion's got his nice floor established with a high-end player in Jonte Cook, and now he can really, you know, try to finish this class out and be among the top 10 recruiters in the, in this, in the country. Uh, Jeff Banks is also kind of in that range because he's involved with just so many guys. Uh, Terry Joseph's up there. Uh, Kyle Flood, once again, who was like their top guy last year, is, he's right back there in the top 20. So um, it was weird to see the class come together kind of that quickly, and I'm excited to see how it fills out. Mike, is there a player that, let's say, not just their recruiting um, aspects, but like scheme-wise at Texas or when you're looking at an evaluation that you want to talk about the most? I mean, you were just watching uh, Derek Williams, and obviously you're the closest to Jonte Cook of any analyst in the country. Yeah, I, I mean, I love Jonte, and I think Jonte's a fit anywhere and um... – you know, just like I, I think I wrote a behind the scenes before I left on his commitment. That one was coming forever. I mean, a lot of people say, oh, you know, it was when Arch pulled the trigger. Look, Jonte committed in the spring. He repeatedly told Texas when he was going on visits, like, we're just getting some gear. Don't worry about this. Right. Um, like, <laughs> you know, like it was a it, it was never a worry from the Texas side. Hudson, you'll remember. um Man, back in the spring, I told you, hey, I got wind that there are two silent commits and one of them's a, a wide receiver. And we kind of quickly deduced that it was Jonte. I mean, it was it was just never, never going to be a thing. I am, um, you know, I've been close with a lot of kids. I think Jonte's probably the kid I've been closest with. And I uh, was very honored for him to ask me to do his, uh, his commitment video and do like a voiceover for it and, and help him out. And like, again... When it comes to the timing thing, Jonte called me from his organ visit to arrange his uh, his commitment video. So uh, that thing was was going down for a while. I love Derek Williams. I love what I've seen from him so far. Obviously on film or on the huddle, um, but when I watch him on, I, I was watching a full game of his in the state championship this past year. He's just so. I think he's kind of. To me, he's a lot like Brian Allen Jr., that type of center field safety who can roam a lot of range, uh, uh, kind of a big hitter in the middle. But I think he gives you a little more coverage versatility. Uh, oh, that's frame too. Yeah, I mean, he he looks long, and he looks – when you just watch him on – I didn't know what number he was off the top of my head. And, like, when they walked onto the field, I'm like, oh, it's number two. Ah. <laughs> yeah, there he is. And he lined up at running back as well. So I was like, okay, very easy to find. I mean, that's why he is a, a five-star prospect. Um, you know, I think we both love Jaden Chapman um, as, a, as a player – uh, and you know, getting a, a deserved bump in the in the twenty four seven sports rankings, uh, just because of his versatility and athleticism. Uh, we really like you. You were on him early last year. I saw him um, at the Under Armour camp this year and was really impressed by what he did during that. Um, so I, I, I think. There's probably a discussion in its own right about what Flood's doing on the offensive line this class versus what he had last class. But um, I, I really like what Jaden Chapman brings there. And then uh, just looking over everything, I'll talk about a guy that's probably not as heralded, but from my neck of the woods and one of my favorite programs to cover, Billy Walton. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of people look at Billy Walton and say, well, he's a, you know, 87 uh, edge rusher that was committed to Oklahoma State. Well, look, for one, 
this program needs bodies that can get after the quarterback. And it's not, you know, they need to add anyone and everyone they believe can add a pass rush. I think what we've seen from Billy Walton over the last year is a tremendous amount of growth. When, when I first met Billy, it was like, okay, nice. Um, I guess he's kind of big for a freshman. Um, he'll probably never be able to play at Texas. And so I never, early on, I never, I probably didn't take it as seriously as I should have. And I think last year in the playoffs, we really oh, started yeah. in that Lovejoy game. We really looked at him and was like, man, Billy is actually really developing into a very nice prospect. I think he's got a lot of versatility when it comes to his ability to play like an off ball linebacker spot, drop in coverage. But he also can play forward and, and rush the passer. I think that, like a like a SOC coach told me, if Billy Walton was at any other school in the Metroplex, he'd be playing linebacker. Nobody would really look at him as this defensive end type. Um, but I think he gives you some nice versatility. I think he give you can do a lot of different things with him. Um, and so I, you know, I'm glad they got that one done because it it kind of fell apart for them when they uh, when they were when they had him early in the summer and then Oklahoma State kind of stole it away but getting him back on campus it was a was a fine steal um, yeah let's let's get into that larger offensive line talk uh, I think so a lot of people are looking at him and saying there's no Kelvin banks in this group there's no Devon Campbell there's probably not a NATO Umeo Zulu in this class Um Although I, you know, I do. We obviously like where Jaden Chapman stands. I was about to say, I think that you can kind of put Chapman maybe a slight, like half tier below where Nato would be, if not in the same tier. But you are right that there's no, you know, like you kind of mentioned in a recent article, like the reports on Kelvin Banks and Devon Campbell, the five stars in the 2022 class that we're both hearing, are crazy. But so there's not this guy that we're going to day one have our eyes on for like winning a job but you know like Jaden Chapman is a really really heralded prospect yeah for sure um I, I just don't think it, this class doesn't have the high end that the last class had but when you look at it these are guys that um for one they're big humans which we know that Kyle Flood likes um I know people are, you know, they're more down on guys like Connor Stroh, but that's a guy that worst case scenario, you know, you've got yourself a really solid, probably interior prospect that can give you quality snaps because of his size. Even if he doesn't develop into a high draft pick, you know, he's a guy that's going to log, I think, a lot of college minutes. This is a, a guy that I probably took a little longer to come around on and you were really high on from the beginning. But when you look at what Trevor Goosby is and what he can be, um, what you can develop him in if you believe in your development ability, just from a frame and athleticism standpoint, it's clear like when you watch him, he he's still very much figuring out how to play the position. But you can't teach being 6'6", a legit 6'6", and being able to dunk the way he does and, and things like that. So I think for me it was refreshing to watch Texas – okay, we lost a priority guy in Ian Reed. We're going to immediately pivot to our se- our next guy on the board. It's Trevor Gooseby. We've identified him. We've offered him. And we flipped him in the matter of a few weeks. Whereas in, in the previous regime, it felt like they were just kind of uh, throwing darts at a board when it came to that. Yeah, Mike, that's music to my ears and probably a lot of fans listening to this right now. And that's not a two-week process. That's a throughout the entire spring 
visiting Trevor Goosby three or four times, being communicative with him and his family of, look, this is where you are on our board. This is what it's going to take to get an offer. Goosby did that. When Ian Reed committed to Clemson, the offer went out pretty soon after, and that's how you get a really important piece in the class. Like, it, it's great stuff. And to kind of round it out, talking about Andre Kojo, that's another one where I do think I'm a little bit higher than most of the um, industry analysts, and it's because of the fit. With Kyle Flood, uh, you know, Kojo fits exactly what uh, he wants. Extremely big human. 84 and a quarter wingspan, probably close to like 340 pounds right now at six foot seven. But the key, and I've mentioned this a ton, he's going to enroll at Texas as a 16 year old. He's going to have two full years of strength and conditioning under his belt, heading into his third season, instead, heading into his third spring practice um, before he turns 19 years old. Like, yeah. That's just a crazy developmental timeline. And so while he probably ha- does uh, merit the current rating he's at and it'll be a super long developmental curve, it's a risk worth taking. So I think that speaks to two things in general with this class. One, when you sign a class like they did last year, you can av- you can afford to be a little more developmental in your follow-up class. These guys – You probably don't want to ask Trevor Goosby and Andre Kojo to play day one. But the good thing is is with the way you signed in 2022, the hope is you don't have to ask those guys to play day one. You know, Connor Stroh's a guy I do feel like, okay, in a pinch, can we put this guy in and just let him lean on whoever's in front of him? And, you know, he'll pick up the college game as he goes. I think Chapman kind of falls into that category as well. But the good thing is they're probably not going to have to because of the guys they were able to sign in the last year. It's also big on just what is the state giving you? And it's not, it's nice to be able to recruit nationally. If you could go out and recruit four nationally elite uh, offensive linemen every year, like Bama can do, or Georgia can do, that's probably great. But for Texas, they're going to have to stay in state more to have a chance. And what does the state giving you last year? The state was giving you elite, elite results this year. It's giving you good ones, but not elite. And so I think that they did the most with what they had in front of them. Obviously they missed out on like two kind of priority guys for them and Harris Sewell and Ian Reed, both going to Clemson. Uh, But you know, when you look at who, and I heard you guys make this point um, on one of the emergency podcasts you did during the commitment. And it's something I've been harping on is these are guys that Kyle flood identified early said, I'm going to be your first offer. I'm not going to wait to see who offers, you know, he offered Stroh Chapman and Kojo first. That, that speaks big to me because, and, and, and you said the process with Trevor Goosby of how it goes kind of keeping a guy like that informed. How many times have we heard a kid say, you know, if Texas had offered earlier, they just waited too long. Well, there's a difference between being honest with a prospect about where they are on your board and then being able to pull that trigger later versus just kind of lying to them or not talking to them at all. And then all of a sudden coming in and dropping an offer and then trying to, and I think that that process matters and that process wasn't completely followed under the last regime. And I think you saw kind of a masterclass in in how to do it with Gooseby. So I I do love the way the O-line unit came together and now Kyle Flood can finish it out however he wants. If he can find Find an elite 
okay, add an elite to the group. Or maybe he finds another Goosby, like another super interesting developmental guy uh, that he can add to the group. Or if he finds nothing, he can just put that one in his pocket. They can use it on another person and he can move forward knowing he's got a really quality group. Exactly, Mike. I think that's the perfect way to put it. By the way, uh, one more thing I just wanted to uh, circle back. I wanted to shout out one of the uh, members on the board who I uh, blanking on who exactly said it, but they'll know who it is. They mentioned in the John Ted Cook commitment of, oh, I guess I do finally get why you and Mike were always telling us not to worry about John Ted Cook since the spring. So I, I just wanted to circle back and make sure that was mentioned of uh, that person kind of understanding uh, what what the deal was there. Um, Mike, I think... I, I mean, I'll say this, and you know, Hudson, I don't love to be a self-promoter. Um, I'm not going to be 100%, but it's tough to beat me in Dallas. I've got a lot of relationships in Dallas, especially with kids like Jonte. It's it's tough to beat me in Dallas. Just That's, that's what I'll say. Or Hawaii. <laughs> or Hawaii. Yeah, we... Uh, Shout out that we kind of scooped the whole market, which is is tough to do yeah. uh, on Leona Lee Fowl. Let me um, let's which, do this. By the way, who we like haven't even talked about. That's a top two hundred line bet. Like, yeah. So so let's do wow. this. Let's do this. If you're listening on the podcast, we're going to take a quick break so you can hear from our sponsors. If you're watching on YouTube, we're going to keep going, and when we come back on the podcast, we are going to talk a little bit about Leona Lee Fowl. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. So Hudson, it wasn't long after Leona Lefau made his visit to Texas that we started hearing some confidence. And the telltale sign was, hey, let's see what the buzz is coming out of Oregon. If there's a lot of buzz for Oregon coming out of that trip, then we're probably not going to get him. But if we don't hear much, we feel like we've got a shot to really do this. And so I remember telling you, I was scanning scanning boards, talking to people, and just did, could not find anything. I couldn't have told you Leona Leifau visited Oregon that weekend. It was that quiet. And so, okay, I, I started thinking, okay, it's coming. And we started really reporting a lot more confidence. And uh, you and I were in College Station for State 7 on 7. Arch Manning had just committed. Um, and I got a tip from somebody, I believe, on that Friday night. Hey, this is going to happen. It's probably going to happen on Monday after the weekend, which was the first day I was scheduled to be on vacation. And so I was already sitting there going, okay, the Mike vacation is going to cash in because we're going to get this one commitment from Leona Lee found. That'll be good enough for a Mike vacation. Boy, 
uh, what did I underestimate? Um, yeah, multiply that by 10. Um, we followed that up. We got another one. And then the day we were leaving, we got a call that, hey, it's like it's going down today. Um, you and I finished the tournament in College Station. We, uh, we, were at, ready. we were at a Wings and More in College Station, tried to eat before leaving town, and I believe I had to run back out to my car to get my laptop, and you were writing furiously on your phone. and uh, Because, you know, we just never – we never know when that stuff's going to drop when we start getting those tips. And then we're trying to factor in the, like, what time is it in Hawaii right now? <laughs> Would he commit at 7.30 a.m. in the morning yeah. that time? And, eventually uh, got the phone. Eventually got him on the phone and, and got the quotes. And, I mean, it just uh, – it's very rare you get to scoop the market like that, but we were able to do it. And uh, a lot of that's been because we've, you know, we've we've invested a lot in that relationship from our end because from the beginning, I believe Texas could be a contender. You know, there's uh, – I would say if you're peeling back the curtain a little bit – um, from our side, we we have to decide where we spend our time. And if we don't feel Texas is a legitimate contender for these national kids, we don't spend a lot of time on them. Um, and so, you know, we did feel that way from the beginning. But we're not here to talk about us. We're here to talk about the man who needs to get his recognition for this. You you look like you have something to say. I have two quick things just for the backstory before we move on to, uh, you know, Leona Leifau's elite mentality and everything else that goes with them one we were tracking this so much that we were like on the phone almost every single night and there's a ton of other stuff that was going on but it was like yo i just found out that you know leona Leifau, um <laughs> you know basically doesn't follow any other pages other than texas like i i've recently started running the horns uh 24 7 instagram account and Leona Leifau was liking every single Texas post, and I couldn't find a single, like, Oregon or Utah thing. Another thing that I do think we should mention, Mike, it's not like Oregon on the visit didn't want him. It's just that we were hearing no buzz from his end. We heard from a source that, like, Oregon definitely was trying to get Leona Leifau. And, you oh, know, for sure. We're, yeah. we're really um, identifying him as a key piece in their class, but, you know, Texas just ended up winning it. On the field, I mean, he is a bit undersized, but it doesn't really matter in modern football. He has the no. instincts, the uh, athleticism. Also, with multi-way uh, snaps, like he's a true dynamic wide receiver in addition to the fact of how good he is as a um, linebacker. And you're the one who kind of put me on this, but he has like that old-school alpha linebacker mentality that – just is extremely intriguing. And I mean, one of my favorite tidbits is that like Leona was posting 20 different like 1980s, 1990s old Hawaii high school football highlights on his Instagram just because, hey, these are the type of players that I like to model my game after like, goodness, man, this, this kid's incredibly impressive. And I know we're going on a bit of a tangent, but like, he, he doesn't get as, as uh, enough credit, I think, as he should for hopping in the class. Like, Oh, and shout out to him for paving my way to Hawaii this off this uh, this fall. Some point to go see. Maybe, maybe our way. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe a show trip. But we're gonna have to, that'll be up to our bosses. At, yeah, State of Recruiting Live at, uh, <laughs> at the Poly Bar. Yeah. Maybe we'll sell it and uh, we – 
We'll sell the live show in Hawaii. I'm sure. I know we. Who everybody knows we have a ton of listeners in Hawaii. Duh. Uh, and that's number one. That's like yeah. the number one place where we have listeners. We'll sell the live show, and then we'll, that'll pay for both of our trips. Yeah. Um, let's give credit to a person who uh, needs uh, the the credit for this, and a guy that I've defended a lot on our message board when people have criticized his uh his recruiting ability and that's jeff choke this recruitment and and like just for some transparency so we were on when we were on with leona he was actually doing the interview with blair angulo who's been covering him for 24 7 blair was driving he wanted me to transcribe it we were driving but i said hey i've got a recorder on my phone so like just three-way us in i can record it and then send it to you or transcribe it or whatever the case is everybody was traveling that day um and listening to him talk about, yeah, I like Sark, and yeah, Jake Longy was important because he, he, you know, he was able to touch that Polynesian culture. But like Jeff Choate was the guy that I'm here to play for. Jeff Choate was the guy that had the relationship with me and my family. Jeff Choate was the guy that last year, when schools started going out on the road after the season, when they went to go shore up their 2022 class, the first thing he did was hop on a plane and go to Hawaii to show me how important I am to him. He could have been anywhere else. He could have been with Harold Perkins or any of those guys. He came here. And I think that that speaks a lot to um, the kind of recruiter we heard Choate was going to be. He's not this young kind of hip, relatable guy, but I do think he is relatable in the sense of he understands how to connect with kids. And, when you hear a lot of what we heard last year, and I always said this when people criticized his results, I'm a big process over results guy. And if the process seems good, I think the results will eventually bear out. When I talked to linebacker targets in the 2022 class, a lot of the feedback on Jeff Choate was phenomenal. It was more of, I don't know what Texas is going to be as a program. I don't feel the school fits me as much as, I mean, one recruit straight told me, if it was in a vacuum and I could just re- commit to play for Jeff Choate, I'd be all the way in. It's just I don't feel the school fits me, and so and that she- was the top two four seven guy, like that yeah. was elite target. Same. Right, right. So factor all those things in. Factor the f- in that he's got Samaji Burrell and now Leona Leafau, two of their top targets on the board. And And. looking good for Darian Gallette, and depending on who you talk to, looking good for Anthony Hill. Our guy Jeff Choate has a chance to really sweep this 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 class and make a statement. Here, here's what I'll say too on Choate, and this is from me talking to recruits and just kind of what we know about him too. I think a lot of young coaches and coaches in general mistake trying to be relatable and come off as fake when Jeff Choate is just being authentically himself, and kids, regardless of whether he's you know relatable or not just end up liking that. Just yeah. being an authentic football-minded guy just really has, with this 2023 cycle, kind of paid dividends. And, you know, you mentioned it. I was going to segue with it. You know, he does have a chance for a true clean sweep of priority targets. And I love where they're at with Darian Gallette. But if they can find a way to continue this positive trend line with Anthony Hill, like that is Mike, I mean, seriously, like, is there a, you know, 
dream where you thought they could potentially get Arch Manning and Anthony Hill, not even mentioning Jonte Cook and a ton of the other positive names that we're hearing about. Like it's, I mean, I did, yeah, I did write about the core four and what that might be in the spring. And, and I thought there was an outside chance, but I did think the toughest chance in that group was getting Anthony Hill. That was probably the longest odds. Now, Turns out the longest odds was Ruben Owens. Um, but you replace him with like a Cedric Baxter and you've still got your core four of guys. That, the number that, 26 player in the country. Like. Yeah, that make up this class. So, um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I look, I think you're right in that it's authentically him. And from the biggest feedback I hear from kids is it's the, the ball talk. It's being able to sit down on the board and talk about football. He can do it at a very high level. The kids who are into that love it. You know, I think that Leona was big time into that. I think Samaji was into that. I don't know Darian that well. I've only talked to him a couple of times. I know for a fact Anthony Hill's into that. He's all business, all football. So um, that those are the things that, that those guys connect with. And so I, I think it would be only proper to give him his flowers here on the show and, and say, great job. Still got some stuff to do. Still got some things to accomplish, but good job so far. Big time. And Mike, also, I think that goes to the point of the national perception of Texas is very like, oh, they're doing all the NIL and oh, it's just because Austin is a city. But then when you're actually covering the team and you're covering recruiting, like Jeff Choate being so scheme and ball talk focused, the same with Pete Kwiatkowski, that attracts. And, you know, honestly, the rest of the defensive staff like Bo Davis, Blake, um, Terry, that attracts the type of defensive players you want to recruit. Like, guys that want to be on the whiteboard rather than, you know, going out to six. Like, those are the type of guys you want in the program. Yeah, absolutely. I think the other thing that I'm finding out about this group, and I, I talked to a source the other day who said, we don't have any, in, any independent contractors on the staff. And what they mean by that is there's nobody who's out there to make a name for themselves so they can – raise their career. They are, they work as a team. And, and you, I think you see that they, there is a lot of, there are a lot of times where you see, like I wrote kind of something about where the assistants sit and, and each one and what the recruiting looks like. And in our system, when we're assigning to recruiter rankings, we can only assign a primary and a secondary recruiter. But I don't think, I think recruiting is more nuanced than that. I think there's a lot of times you see multiple coaches for whatever reason, if they've got a link to the recruitment being involved in one recruitment or another, and this staff has worked extremely well together. I thought Tom Herman's early staffs did that really well. Um, his first staff did that really well. I think by the end, his staff was just so piecemealed together that it was, it, they just couldn't do it as a unit. But I think that that's when you really see some special results. That That's such a good point about the, it being more nuanced than just the primary secondary. What's a per more perfect example than the guy we were just talking about, Anthony Hill? I reported and we kind of talked about that Steve Sarkeesian crushed it on the official visit with his family. And then you're bringing in, you know, Jeff Banks. It has ties to Anthony Hill and helps recruit. Jeff Choate is his, you know, position recruiter. They get Pete Kwiatkowski in on it because he's the defensive coordinator. Like, that is a all-hands-on-deck effort. Not even just mentioning the fact that I heard that, you know, uh, Brennan Marion like, was enjoying chopping it up with Ant just because they kind of have similar personalities and will get along. So th that's such a good point, man. And it just goes to show what I think um, Texas fans can have a lot of excitement around is that every official visit weekend was crushed. I mean, the one 
maybe negative that we've heard was around Jaquez Petaway, who ended up uh, choosing Oklahoma. But that was just more of a, hey, you know, didn't really see himself as a fit on the visit, but still had a good time. Like, th- there's yeah, there's so many we- encouraging things weekend by weekend. Like I said, last year we heard some concerning things after some trips, and it was just kind of an organizational, not everybody on the same page type of deal. This year we've heard none of that. And, and like I said, we're not afraid to report it when we when we do hear it. Um, the Petaway stuff, like I was just told, like, look, I think we did a good job. I think his parents liked it. Um, his family enjoyed it. But in the end, they just don't – he just doesn't see himself as a fit in Austin, at, you know, the city. I think he likes Norman more. I think he, he likes the Oklahoma – fit more on offense and that's fine. I mean, that's how recruiting goes sometimes. So um, otherwise, I mean, you know, there were some guys they brought in Michael Gardner and, and guys like that, where they probably never had a great chance in the, in the beginning. But when you look at hit rate that for that first weekend, right, you've got Leona Lee Fowl and Spencer Shannon in the class of Texas trending for Cedric Baxter. Yeah. For the second weekend, and I'm going off the top of my head, so I'm going to miss some things here. But you obviously got Arch Manning and Will Randall in the boat. Uh, I believe Sadir Mikhail, Mitchell. Mitchell, Mikhail Harrison, pilot. Who knows? I mean, I think things are trending there depending on what he wants to do with his timeline. Manning. And then, uh, yeah, and then Malik Muhammad, who I think things are trending in a very good way with there. Um, Hunter Osborne as well. Like, you can just yeah. go on, and it's like all of these guys that Texas is really trending well with. Like, yeah, it's, it's why I mean it's incredibly encouraging. Also, Mike, they have it's not like they're tripping guys, you know, they're not tripping. Uh, and I'm using the terminology official visiting, you know, they're take, putting them on a trip, um, like 60, 70 guys, and are just hoping to hit with some. Like, this is a pretty concise list that they've got, it's pretty precision. And I think what it also lends to is. So yesterday I called some people and went kind of over the board with, okay, like what's left? What's, and I kind of got to the point where I named everybody that I could think of and was like, okay, I've got to be missing more people. And they're like, no, that's kind of it. We've got 18. Like, you know, who our priorities are at, uh, at each position. That's kind of the board right now. Now, not to say that board can't expand into the fall when they see some senior risers or something like that, but they've hit early. They've hit, in in way they want it's been a very precision attack um from this recruiting staff and now they can go forward with a pretty set board yeah mike and it's awesome too because when you get that precision mindset and you focus in on these guys then whether they join the class or they don't now you're looking to add nationally elite pieces to the class that you can kind of really pick and target and the term I like to use elephant hunt those guys versus really having to, you know, uh, scrape the bottom of the barrel and look for the senior risers uh, in the class. So it's really exciting. Or a guy that you really have to squint to see his progress. You can go after Deuce Robinson and say, Hey, if we don't get Deuce Robinson, we've got our two tight ends. We're good. If we could add Deuce Robinson, great. But if we do like, you know, then you end up with probably the best H tight end on campus. Uh, oof, I don't even know since when, probably since Jermichael. Yeah, 
So really impressive overall. Those are kind of my thoughts on everything. I, I feel a little scatterbrained the way we did it, but like, I hope I got everything out and I hope everybody heard what they wanted to hear from me on it. I, I just really enjoyed it. Can't say enough about the work you did Hudson during that week. Um, just handling what was, I'm sure an incredibly stressful thing. And I felt a little bad just being like, you know what? He's got to learn sometime. I'm just going to keep drinking. I, Honestly, it was like, because, you know, uh, spoiler alert, we are friends, you know, close friends outside of work. It was almost fun for me just to be like, yo, I wonder if Mike's going to just check his phone and, you know, see that Derek, you know, or or what's new today almost. I texted you one crystal ball that I was close with um, that I still honestly kind of am itching uh, to put in. And your response really made me laugh that I'm sure, you know, you were uh, like third mojito deep. But uh Oh, boy, you nailed it, too. I drank a lot of mojitos on that, <laughs> on that vacation. Um, I, now, I, now it makes me want to go back to my phone and find I don't even know what the response was. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, it was a really cool experience. Um, I, I, I think that I think you you had a great showing and and like I said, uh, a lot of great feedback I got from it. And it makes it easier for me, you know, to be frank. Yeah. When I first took this job, I didn't feel like I could take a vacation um, or else something like it just wouldn't get done. And, you know, having Nick and then kind of getting him to that point. And now you like I feel like I can go put my phone down. And I literally I, I liked following along. And I told my wife, like, look, I'm not going to work, but I am going to keep in touch with what's going on. A little bit. I feel like I could have literally thrown my phone into the ocean, and I would, and I wouldn't have had to worry about it. So, great job well, to you. I appreciate you, Mike. Before we head out, do you want to briefly just kind of talk about the end of the uh, month of July recruiting? I mean, we'll go into more detail next week's episode. And also, do you want to hit that twenty twenty four QB talk? I think we went a little longer than I intended on the first segment, so let's save that because I think that's kind of an evergreen topic for a while. Um, well, maybe we'll save that for next week or so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there is a big recruiting weekend coming for the uh, barbecue, pool party, whatever you want to call it, uh, at the <laughs> end, of, end of July. Uh, I'll go ahead and tell you guys now, Hudson's going to be covering that one solo. I am not going on vacation, but um, we are moving my mother-in-law in with us, so I will be heading up to Missouri to load a truck and drive it down. And that was a non-negotiable uh, for me. Uh, so uh, I've put it on Hudson to cover that by himself. I think he's, he may pick up an independent contractor for that one uh, to come give him some help, a very familiar one to the show uh, if he agrees to it. But um, yeah, it's going to be a big weekend. Uh, you know, I was kind of confused on this because kids started talking about taking official visits in late July and the calendar is just never allowed for that. And even I looked up the calendar and sent to Hudson and was like, it says that you cannot take official visits during this time. Uh, but I guess people are um, like Anthony Hill was like the first one I heard of and he had scheduled his to A&M. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they're going to have a big pool party that weekend as well. Um, a lot of unofficial visitors too, not just an official visit weekend. Like th there's yeah. a growing sense that uh, Arch Manning himself might even make it in for that uh, big recruiting weekend. So, I mean, if he ends up showing, it's going to be wild. Can I, can I pull a, take a 20 real quick here and say, you know, a lot of people ask like, well, what kind of impact is Arch Manning going to have as a recruiter if they land him? 
think pretty significant it's been like so watching him interact in his own way on social with these kids and you know he, he doesn't have to be out on twitter doing it in public to be effective i think you know it's he's been he's been really invested in that and it's been good to see i i've mentioned that jonte and arch are almost the perfect duo for each other because arch is the um you like uh, the i lack of a better term i'm sorry that i'm using this but arch is like the real g's move in silence like lasagna type recruiter where he's just hitting people's phones and then jonte is on twitter being like yo anthony hill get your a to austin like asap like let's let come on chop chop yeah. so they're almost the perfect uh fit for each other there not only is the end of july recruiting weekend looking like it's gonna be a banger we're already getting a ton of news and notes about players that are getting ready to uh, visit Texas for the Alabama game on that second weekend of September, which you want to talk about a probably loaded group. Which, shocker, like, yeah, a lot of kids want to come in for it. Um, exactly. <laughs> you know, I, I, we saw it a couple of years ago with the LSU game. We saw it with the Notre Dame game. Those are some of the most loaded visitor lists I can remember uh, coming in for fall games. So, um, you know, when those big, co- when those big, uh, you know, out of conference, or I guess formerly to be out of conference, uh, teams come in, those kids want to come see it. They want to be part of the big environment. And look, I, we're not going to get into season predictions here or anything. And I'm not, not going to, I don't, I don't think it's going to be, uh, likely as I sit here today, but man, can you imagine what it would be like if Texas could pull off an upset on that night? If, just if for me. If they pull off an upset, I genuinely don't know how we'll do our job because we're, we'd just be hearing everything. <laughs> like, like it, would, it, would, it would be everybody new. Here's, um, so here's a, like, uh, here's a wrinkle in that night. So that's a day game, right? It's 11 a.m. That's been well chronicled. We'll have probably most of the coverage of it afterwards done by five or six, but you know, I, I often tell people that like present Mike is a big problem for future Mike because present Mike makes a lot of agreements for things that future Mike's going to have to deal with. And like a year and a half ago, present Mike agreed to go to a concert that night. Um, so right. if they somehow win, I'm going to be like at this concert, like trying to yeah, be on the phone the entire time. And I'm sure that'll go over great with the people I'm going to the concert <laughs> with. Um so I I like the killers and all, but I'm trying to do my job too. So uh, uh, yeah, that'll be uh, that would be even. I thought about this today. Like, could they pull off the like near win? Uh, absolutely, win type of thing. I think anything. I think anything short of, and this is low expectations, obviously. So I get how some people might be a little bit upset about this, but I think anything short of embarrassment is going to help. Like just competing against Alabama. Yeah. Uh, is like a 30, like a 31 17 game or something would be, I think yeah. big for them. Or even if, even if it's like, look, the defense isn't there yet against Bryce young and these guys, but like, yo, uh, Quinn or Hudson and, you know, Bijan, Xavier, where everybody put up numbers like that. That's almost enough. I think, I was thinking specifically about like A&M almost beating Clemson in college station a couple years ago, but like the one that really sticks out was remember um, the buzz after Florida state almost beat Notre Dame. It was, it was unreal. It was unreal. I think part of that too was 
that was, I believe, and somebody might fact check me on this, and this theory just goes to shit, but like, I believe that was technically week zero. It was. So, it was. Uh, it was Labor Day. Okay, so it was literally like, oh my god, this is the only thing on TV. Florida State. You. Everybody was watching. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is, it's like, um, you know, I, I think I, I bring up that game because I think comparatively, Texas and Florida State are kind of right there with one another as far as like formerly proud programs trying to get back. Same type of profile. You know, they've had some recruiting success. And I know the way that we would have reacted to the same thing with the kid with the kids we were covering was the same way I saw Florida State guys react. I mean, there was like we're going live for podcasts for this game we lost in our time and things like that. And I'm not hating. Like, we would have been – we'd be on here real live. Like, if Texas loses to Alabama 48-45 in an overtime game, we will go live. Like, well, you probably will because I'll be I at a – will concert. go live and you will play hit from the Yeah, so – Which I'm sure you'll be in the – I don't even think – I'm not sure the killers uh, wore in a mosh pit, but, you know, we'll see. <laughs> All right, uh, anything else you want to hit on before we get out of here? I appreciate the toss-up because there is. Like and subscribe on the YouTube, please. It helps us a ton. Like, we've gotten a ton of positive feedback from our bosses at uh, 24-7 and um, CBS about the recent growth on the YouTube page. It helps a lot. Um, some exciting ideas in the work, too. So the more that we can grow the channel, the more, I think, diverse content uh you know, things that we can bring y'all's way. Appreciate it as always. If you're listening on the pod, um, you can always just go on your YouTube app and, you know, give us a, you know, kind of a fake thumbs up, I guess, or a fake subscribe. But also, you know, reviewing five stars on um, Apple and Spotify helps us with the algorithm a ton. So thanks, everybody. And Mike, it was a lot of fun to just do a normal state of recruiting. Yeah, absolutely. Here's, here's something I also forgot. And I oh, should say, because it's come out since we last did our podcast and I want to start plugging it, but I wrote a book yeah, and uh, that book is called The Road to Texas. I don't have the physical copy in front of me here yet. So I'm going to show you the, uh, just off my phone. There you go. The Road to Texas. That's what the cover is going to look like. Um, it is a book about some of the great players in Texas football history and how they got there. It was a really cool experience for me, and I kind of hinted at it over the last year of like, hey, I'm doing this project, or I'm working on this. or I'm... It was a really cool experience just getting to sit down and tell some stories with some of these old guys and like get to know, you know, have those guys reflect back on their recruitment. Some of those guys are, are co coaches right now at the college level who are doing the recruiting and watching them be like, okay, well, I knew what it was like during my recruitment, and now I'm using that towards when I recruit kids. And um I think just off the top of my head, Derek Johnson, Blake Brockermeyer, uh, Michael Huff, Rod Babers, BJ Johnson, Fozzie Whitaker, Roy Miller, Rod Wright. Those were all guys who took part in this book. Aaron Williams, um, guys I can't think enough for taking time out of their busy schedules and sitting down with me. And I mean, talking for hours, most of these interviews last an hour and a half, two hours. And we, and we covered everything from their recruitment to their career at Texas. We had such a great time doing it. Um, 
and I, I'm extremely excited uh, for what it's going to be. And I'm actually extremely overwhelmed. It, the pre-order leaked a little earlier than I would have liked it to. Um, and part of that's my mom and dad's fault because I think they found it <laughs> on social media. Um, I wanted to be able to announce it a little bit more on my own terms, but it is what it is. And the uh, response we've had from the Horns 24-7 readers, from people on Twitter, shout out Charles Daniels, who is I'm going to have to probably give a cut of the book to for all the advertising he's been doing for me. Um, man, it, it, it's been overwhelming to see the response. I told my wife my greatest fear was that nobody would buy this thing. And I would just have like boxes of books at our house um, that nobody wants. And uh, that hasn't been the case so far. Now I'm a little bit starting to dream, like, could Mike Roach be a New York Times bestseller? Um, yeah. I've looked up the terms. I think it's like, I think you have to sell like 15,000 in your first week or something, which includes pre-orders. Um, to be a New York Times bestseller. And here's the deal. Next year, I'm going to go to my 20th high school reunion. And wouldn't it be cool if I could go and be like, yo, everybody, I'm a New York Times bestseller. So with that in mind, uh, you could find it on Amazon. You can find it on Triumph Books. Please pre-order. We're going to talk a lot more about it in, in coming yeah. weeks. We'll have we'll have a episode of Talking Texas that's just a book preview to where we dive in it more. But if you haven't pre-ordered it, I've read about halfway through it is so good, and I think that what I love the best, in addition to the fact that you have a foreword from the legend Craig Way, like, I mean, that in itself, but... A foreword that, when we do the Talking Texas, I'll tell, I'll tell everybody the story about how the foreword came about. Exactly, which is a banger of a story. But not only do you have that, but because, you know, these guys aren't uh, having to deal with, you know... Um, college expectations, or it's not going to negatively impact their career. There was a ton of candor. Like everybody's mm -hmm. being honest about their recruiting process. You get some real stuff about some of, you know, my favorite, the guys that I grew up watching. Like, even if we didn't work together, Mike, I would be promoing the hell out of the book because you absolutely crushed it. Um, man, I'm, I'm just really excited for the full, uh, you know, book tour blitz come the fall, because that's going to be a ton of fun. Yeah, it's a lot going on, but uh, I, I have to start promoting it. Hudson knows I'm incredibly uncomfortable promoting myself and my own stuff, but like for the book to sell, I got to promote it. So, uh, and it's you're worth gonna, it. Like, yeah, I, I promise. I think that. it is. I mean, it was a lot of late nights and um, when you get to the acknowledgements, the first, like, well, not the first person, first person I think is my wife. Like the second person I think is my dog for like sitting up Winston for sitting on the couch with me. Um, all those late nights and keeping me company while I wrote and, uh, you know, stressed over deadlines. And I mean, just to give everybody an idea, like the deadline was March 1st and that comes right after signing day and all those things. So I was getting down to the stretch last year and like just stressed as can be during the months of January, February, March. Yeah, Mike, we were, we were, both of us were dealing with some stuff around March 1st, too, about the, uh, you know, move over to 24 <laughs> yeah. seven. So that was a, that in itself was just a fun period of time as we were dealing with all that. But yeah, definitely go check out the book on Amazon and um, yeah, pre-order. Hey, you, it's like a present to future you if you pre-order. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, please reward future me. All right. Uh, we appreciate everybody for listening. We appreciate uh, everybody for playing along. Glad I could be back. You guys did a great job while I was gone. 
Uh, thank you to Taylor Estes for producing. For Hudson Standish, I'm Mike Roach. We will see you guys next week.